We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please help! Yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Is For Podcast. My name is Sarge, and I am actually super thrilled to do this episode today. Joining me is the man, the myth, the legend, Monster. Hello, Monster. How are you? I'm okay. My my knees and my back have, have been better, but other than that, I'm good. You are really you don't point? need to know how you earned your money. Are you at the point to where, like, you know, you're old enough to where when you stand up, you snap, crackle, and pop so much, it sounds like you're pouring a bowl of Rice Krispies? Uh, yes. And God, the amount of time it takes me to go from like in the floor playing with my kids to standing up, it, it should not take that long. Like it should not take minutes. Like at, the, at this point in my life, I understand why my grandmother would get up and go, ah, oh, I haven't gotten up or sat down without a sound in years. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can hear, he's back from the dead. Give it up for danger. Welcome back, danger. I'm glad you're back amongst the living. It's good to be back. It's good to be seen. It's good to be here, I guess. Yeah. Hey, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> I like that enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah. So tonight's episode is a subject that I hold near and dear to my heart. It's a life I lived for many years. We're going to talk about the United States Army today. Now, okay. I did ask Monster to come up with some questions if he wanted to ask me during the show. And, you know, same goes to you while you're thinking about it. If you think of one that you want to ask, go, go ahead and ask. We'll, we'll make this fun and exciting. But instead of sitting here and talking about like Von Steuben's blue book and all the other stuff behind the creation of the army, I figured we get to the stuff that people really, really want to hear about. And it's not the boring crap. So I had a conversation with someone not that long ago when they asked me, what year was the army constituted in? Do you guys know what year the army was constituted in? No idea. Was it oh. in the 1800s? No, 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 it wasn't. Okay. Are we going high or lower? Like, are we doing prices right rules? I mean, you say no, it wasn't like we should have done better, but yeah, like, I mean, we declared yes, our yes. independence in 1776. So is that it? No, but you're really close. You're closer okay. than the 1800s. 1777. God. Okay. <laughs> Okay. You said if we're you really were, close, closer you, than 18 okay. This is, oh my God. So it's not just this person I talked to. Okay. Look, if you say you're a millionaire, what must you have? A million. A million dollars, right? So if you're going to declare yourself a country, what should you probably have ahead of time? A country. A military. Yes. Yeah, so it was constantly. <laughs> Land. <laughs> my God. But yes. The army was constituted in 1775, and it is because in order for us to go across the ocean and tell King George to go suck a dick, we, we kind of had to have a way to, you know, defend ourselves while we waited for the French to get off their asses and float across the water to help us out. It Fair took enough. them a while. I mean, it took them yep. a long damn while. Yeah. But I digress. So there's a lot of stuff people don't know about the military. And I get asked, like when I was at the gym a couple of days ago, I, I get asked, you know, what do you think about the military nowadays? What do you think about what was the military? Like when, when, when you were in versus what it is now. Now I've been out of the were military you guys working out on the slip and slide. Cause that is a slippery path. You're going down with that question. <laughs> it is, well, it's better than the normal questions. I usually get like, especially from kids, like my daughter's friend, 
we will call him um we will call him uh D, okay? D. D. All right, cool. One of the first questions he ever asked when I was chaperoning his his field trip group in front of everybody, the teacher, fellow students, everything like this. I think I know what it's going to be. What do you think it was, monster? Did you ever kill anybody? <laughs> How many people have you killed? Oh, I was afraid of that. There's certain things you just don't <laughs> ask. I understand he's a kid, and I just kindly looked at him in front of, in front of the orchestra teacher, and I was like, "Today, none." I and feel he just like, kind of, "How many did I kill? Enough." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, Sarge, you were you're on something like you qualified it into a day or quantified yeah. it into a day. <laughs> like, you know, it's not a question of how many have you killed in a lifetime. It's just how many have you killed? Like, as of you know, today, zero. But that number is set to skyrocket at the moment. <laughs> you kind of twist. There could be a 100% increase in less than an hour, okay? You should have just looked at it and been like, how many teeth do you have? <laughs> you we'll mean today? <laughs> right now at this moment? Because it's about to be less. So I figured, I figured I'd tell people like my, my experience. I'd use this as a chance to tell you my experience going into the military, being in the military, getting out of the military. And some of the real stupid stuff that we go into, we're going to gloss over things like, you know, a lot of basic training, a lot of AIT, because a lot of it's just honest to God, like book work or like you really want to hear about us marching from the barracks to the dining facility to the grenade range. No, because that's boring. I will tell you, I'm good. I don't need to hear about that. <laughs> I will so tell fact, you I'm already bored. So let's pick this up. <laughs> So when I joined the military in 2003, and it was, what's the best word to describe it? A very eye-opening experience when you go to Fort Benning, Georgia, and you like dump your shit out on the ground, and this guy just walks past you going, all right, you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't have this, can't and they literally just throw it away. Like, no chance to say goodbye to it or anything like that. They're just gone. In a it, makes, it makes me think of the beginning scene in the movie Heavyweights when the, all the kids are going to their fat camp and they're just getting rid of candy, but then the kids are all stashing it different places. So it's like, they're like, you can't have this. And you're like, I won't have it <laughs> from what you could tell and stick it like, you know, in the mattress and not or, under actually. Yeah, yeah. Or in their butt. So on a scale of one to 10, one being ex nothing like it and 10 being exactly like it. How much is the army like the movie Stripes? It's not. Really? You mean there's no John Candy? No. There's no, no Bill Murray? No Bill Murray. There, there, like there's no. You were the Bill Murray. I think that's no, why you I was, didn't see him. No, I he was, was more of a Harold Ramis. I was scared shitless when I first got to basic training. Because when we first got there, mind you, I flew on an airplane from Ohio to Georgia, rode on a bus from the Atlanta Dam Airport. To Fort Benning, Georgia, and I don't even know how long that was. And then we got there at night. They shook down our stuff. Then they put us in a barracks room. Didn't tell us when we were going to eat, how we were going to eat. All we were told was to stay in the room. You get and my first and a fork. My first interaction with the drill sergeant was a uh, Puerto Rican drill sergeant who comes busting into the room because people are sitting in the stairwell. Someone had managed to get a pack of cigarettes in there. And they were sitting on the stairwell like they were back on the block smoking a cigarette right in front of the freaking drill sergeants. So some of us were trying to sleep. Some of us were trying to shower. There were people outside smoking and joking. 
And this drill star walks in and his Puerto Rican accent talks about why are we sleeping in his house, in his beds, on his sheets? And we all had to get up and we all had to do push-ups and we all had to remake the bed. And then we had to go go stand outside for food, which is an experience in itself because you couldn't talk. You had to stand at parade rest. You had to look at the guy's head in front of you. And you had about, I don't know, I could feel the guy's breath on the back of my neck. What is they were standing rest? That's, Sorry. What, what so you? parade rest is standing with your feet shoulder width apart with your hands uh, like knife handed together like this behind your back. So and you're looking straight what, ahead. You can't move. That, that's what we see in movies as at ease. You know that that's like that Mitch Hedberg joke where he's like, I can never join the army because at ease never looked that at ease to me. <laughs> Well, we learned that at ease is different depending on who you're dealing with and how much crap they've had for the day. So going through basic training, we got issued our stuff. I did my PT test. Uh, I did my marksmanship, which I found out a lot of people can't shoot. And a lot of people who look big and strong are actually big damn sissies. Because we were at the grenade range and we had this guy named Private Kim and then another guy named Private Kim, unrelated but we called him Big Kim and Little Kim. Big Kim looks like he used to play sports. It was big and muscular. I like Little, Little Kim. She's got some bangers. <laughs> and, 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 and Little Kim looked like he played video games and Dungeons and Dragons all day. Which, I mean, both are a way to live. Hey, Absolutely. hey, and video games and Dungeons and Dragons create strategy and, and hand-eye coordination. These are things that you can use in the army. <laughs> Well, not when you're throwing grenades because Big Kim got up there, pulled the pin on his grenade, live grenade, and I swear he threw it like two feet in front of him. And the drill sergeant had to grab him, slam him to the ground, jump on top of him before the grenade went off. At least he didn't like pull the pin, throw the pin, and hold the grenade. <laughs> well, a okay, grenades work in a very it's specific way. Abbott and thing. Costello. I just, <laughs> the world is much more fun in my imagination. <laughs> okay. Your big or, or, music during all of this explanation. <laughs> <laughs> so after basic training, uh, I, I broke my hip towards the end of uh, I stress fractured my hip. I didn't break it. I stress fractured, I stress fractured my hip. Well, because uh, by this injured. time you were in your 60s, right? No, this time I just just. He was so, a fresh recruit at retirement. <laughs> yeah, essentially, I mean, they ran you. You ran everywhere. You didn't walk anywhere. If you needed to go to the. Uh, to the bathrooms or the latrines, you had to run. If you needed to go to the dining facility, you had to run. If you were sick, you had to run to the first aid tent so they could send you to the hospital. Well, usually if if you're running, like it's already a run, depending what kind of sick it is. There's a reason yeah. why they call it the runs. Just saying. So they go ahead. Uh, oh, I'm just gonna ask. So on a scale of one to ten, one being nothing like it, ten being exactly like it. How much is the army like full metal jacket? Well, considering a full metal jacket is the Marine Corps. Um, okay, so let's just go ahead and okay. let, let's just let's just go ahead and get something out of the way. And this is so uh, Monster doesn't have to go through every movie he's ever seen oh. that had military scenes in it. I don't care what you're about to say. I'm still going to do it. <laughs> no, that's fine, Sarge. What would you say is the most realistic depiction of the army? or military armed services, let's put it that way, in a movie. <laughs> and what is the least? 
So I can only speak about the Army. So I will say, do you guys remember the part of Forrest Gump when he graduates from college and they just hand him that recruiting thing? Like, we could use a few good men like you and then someone signs up. That entire process from getting yelled at to get off the bus, getting yelled at whenever you talk to someone because they don't care about you, getting yelled at by the drill sergeants, getting yelled at while you're running, getting yelled at while you're, I mean, essentially you're being yelled at the entire time. And my drill sergeants in basic training, I'll remember them to the day I die. He was, he was Drill Sergeant Parnell. We had Drill Sergeant Malone and Drill Sergeant Pickering. Drill Sergeant Pickering was our senior drill sergeant. He was a JAG non-commissioned officer, right? He dealt with uh, all the legalese in the United States Army. Drill Sergeant Malone was a Cav Scout, and he was a short, stocky black guy, super cool dude. Very, very, very intense. Like, he couldn't deploy with his unit because they pulled him from his unit and put him in the in the drill sergeant school instead of letting him deploy with the cab scouts and that was a shot like in the back for him he was super pissed at us and he took his anger out on us um drill sergeant parnell was a infantryman but he was also the army golden gloves boxing champion so when he took took you into the kill zone which was a a an area inside the squad bay that no one was allowed to touch unless you were called into the kill zone, right? When he took you into the kill, the kill zone to scuff you up, it was a very, very painful experience. When I say that people have no idea what it's like to be punched in the mouth, I was punched in the mouth with a guy about the size of Mike Tyson. It was crazy. When I couldn't my, qualify... My dog hit me in the mouth the other day. Like, just jumped. Okay. Sorry, go on. Uh, I'm sure it was just jumping in your face. Um when I couldn't qualify on my rifle, so in order to pass basic training, you have to do a couple things. You have to, mainly, you have to pass marksmanship, which is firing a rifle. You have to be able to pass your PT test, and you have to know, like, rank structure, your right from your left, all this other kind of crap, right? Basic army stuff. Yes? Okay. He's doing right, left. Trying to remember my left from my right. <laughs> so, so when but, I could... But, but, but hold okay. on, hold on. He asked... So on a scale of one to 10, how accurate is the military or the army section of Forrest Gump? It's very accurate. Okay. Getting yelled at all the time is their bread and butter. But don't worry. I have more. So please continue. <laughs> That's I'm sure you do. So what is the least accurate depiction of stripes? Stripes. Okay. <laughs> all right. You mean it's stripes. not fun shenanigans? <laughs> no. Imagine that. Okay. So when I went in the military, it was like, essentially, it felt like one of the last, I was one of the last people to go through the, where the drill sergeants could place their hands on you. So if you were really messing up, you were a combatives demonstrator, which army combatives is how to, uh, if you're out of ammunition and you have nothing else, or someone puts their hands on you, how to defend yourself. It's a cross between like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, self-defense, a little bit of karate. You know, it's a little bit of stuff all rolled into one. And if you really upset the drill sergeant, you knew because when they asked for volunteers, they're like, I need a volunteer. Private Lent, get up here. And you're like, shit, what did I do today? And you go up there and you take it with a grain of salt. You don't dare complain. Okay. So similar story, probably not quite to the extreme that you had to deal with, but still pretty funny. I took a criminology course when I was in college and my professor, Sergeant Slaughter, I kid nice. you not, nice. um, was talking about apprehending a suspect and he asked for a volunteer 
And I'm not real sure how or why I ended up being the volunteer, but he was showing how to like apprehend a suspect. So I was expecting him to kind of walk through the steps and kind of show us. Dude grabbed my arm, jerked it behind my back, threw me to the ground and stuck a knee in my back and yelled, <laughs> get on the ground. I kid you not, within seconds, there were people from every other classroom in the building running in there like, is everything okay? Is everything all right? And he's like, real, real sweet guy. He was like, yeah, just demonstrating, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like literally face down on the floor like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Never volunteer in those situations. <laughs> Are you sure you weren't actually a suspect and you were just imagining everything else? Look, I've been arrested twice, and neither time was that bad. So, okay. <laughs> so I gotta say. So um, on qualification day for my for, for the rifle, you have to do a few things. You have to zero your weapon, which means set it at mechanical zero, and then you had to hit uh five rounds in an area the size of a quarter on a 300 meter target. Right? 300 meters is I'm not I can't do the math. I want to say like 300 meters is a little over 200 yards, I think. Iron sights. Somebody, somebody, somebody Google oh. that. I don't, a, I don't know my I know it's three football fields or as we said in a previous episode three foot of football fields of freedom three freedom fields three freedom fields three freedom <laughs> how many fields. meters in a foot hat? I can't prepare that's I I, I see I that's see right baby that's a red yeah. white and blue eagle I just usually ignore the hat that's on your head because you usually wear a hat and so I just I saw it I got it this a at fun. a truck stop in West Virginia baby this is the real deal. Did they sell other things at the truck stop in West Virginia besides American flag f- clothing? Very little. All right. So 300, so 300 meters is, uh, hold on, I just had it. 300, did, did I do that right? Yeah, 300 Ladies and gentlemen, meters. this is how we do math on the fly. None of us are good at it. Yeah. So 300 meters is 330 feet, uh, 330 yards. I apologize. Iron sight. So no scopes, no nothing. You just put the irons on your weapon. After you get that, they say you're good to go. You go to the uh, qualification range, which is where it's usually pop-up targets. You had a 50, a 100, a 150, a 200, a 250, and a 300. And they pop up at different intervals. You got to adjust your fire. You got to shoot. You got to shoot from a foxhole or from uh, laying down from prone to kneeling to standing, depending on what unit you're in and what weapon you have. I had a hard time. And my drill sergeant took an empty ammo can, stood behind me, and I had my, had my ballistic helmet on, my Kevlar. And every time a pop-up target would come up, he would hit me on top of the head with this ammo can and yell out which target it was. 50 right, 50 left, 250 right. So, yeah, he's a good guy, right? He's just helping me out, giving me a concussion. That sounds I threw like up fun. afterwards. But I qualified. Yeah. If if the people that I have in my life have not caused me injury in some way, I don't need them. I don't need them. Emotional, so what's basic, physical, one. Once basic training was done, then it was off to uh, AIT at Fort Lee, Virginia to be a fueler. And the only thing of note from that is uh, I had two drill sergeants, Drill Sergeant Green and Drill Sergeant Green. Not related. Um just a pattern here. It, it seems like most of your um, superior officers were of the same name. Like, <laughs> is there an inbreeding thing happening within the army? So, no, no, no. That's the Marine Corps. You had you 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 had you had uh, 
uh, bald-headed girl, uh, drill the sergeant. The baby is incest. <laughs> bald, bald, bald-headed girl, uh, drill sergeant Green was a super, super chill dude. He would go through your room, like if your shit was squared away, he didn't mess with you. Like my stuff was always squared away. Fort Benning put that knowledge into me. Um, never had a problem. My roommate never had a problem, so we really didn't get messed with. The other drill sergeant Green, he was not bald, and he had a gold tooth. And we always knew when we were in trouble because he would form us up outside and then he would grab a lawn chair and a shopping bag full of bottles of water and he would march us off in the middle of a field and he would set up his lawn chair. He would sit in his lawn chair. He would put his shower cap on so his curls didn't dry out and he would drink water and proceed to make us exercise in the heat until we figured out what we did wrong. That's that I is mean, the, that's the only thing of note. afternoon. Here, just saying. So, so on a scale of one to ten, how accurate would you say the television show Mash? Uh, I would say about a six. Yeah, a little closer. Okay, okay. And and here's why. Let me let me get into army shenanigans. Now that I'm done with basic training and that stupid shit, let me get in with army with 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 with, with army shenanigans. Okay. You have your first four ranks of the army is E1, E2, E3, E4, or private, private uh, PB2, which is still private. Yeah, private first class, which is PFC. And you have a specialist, which is can be laterally promoted to a corporal, which is a junior NCO. Uh, they kind of have some authority to do all their NCOs work, but nobody ever fucking respects him. So it's, it's, it's like kind of being the assistant manager at McDonald's. You kind of have no authority to do anything and no one whoa, really whoa, whoa, respects whoa, whoa, whoa. you. Whoa, whoa. I was a shift manager for Burger King for 10 months and you better believe they, they respected me. Okay. I'm sure they didn't. They, oh. Okay. Look, we all have had visions of grandeur. <laughs> so, okay. You said E1, E2, E3, what, what were all these? E4. E4. Those are, these, those are called the junior enlisted ranks. I love E3. It's great. When, so the, the when you junior, were going from like one place to another, were you an Ewok? Ha! <laughs> no, you know. So I quit. I quit. I'm not putting in a two week notice. I quit. <laughs> so when I got to my first duty station, which was Fort Sill, Oklahoma, they asked me, would you like to do hometown recruiting? Which is where you get to go back to where you're from, your hometown. And you get to go to the high schools and stuff and try to get people to join the army. And I looked at them and I said, no, I'm not going to lie to these kids. I don't care about recruiting numbers. I say, you guys make this out to be like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it truly isn't. It is a culture shock. And if you don't get used to it, you wash out like starship troopers. Take a, take a trip down washout lane. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that in the army. Okay. Okay. Before you go any further on a scale of one to 10, how accurate is starship troopers? (laughs) Considering how we don't have a bug business. Ah, not yet. Not yet. Uh, was so it they ever got, said why the bug planet was Clindathu? I have no idea. Well, like, we'll figure it out in about 12 years when it gets here. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know why we were attacking these bugs and why this bug planet wasn't. Because they bombed Buenos Aires. So we had to no, kill them all. No, actually they didn't. And I have a big working theory about that. But oh, go that's, on. That's not what we're here to discuss. Nope. <laughs> So there, so you have to do this thing called uh, SRP to get out, right? Which is a soldier readiness process. So really go down this giant checklist to make sure you are ready to go out the door to deploy. You are 100% deployable, ready to go. Mission readiness is like a high thing. 
So when I first get there, they're like, oh, you still have your wisdom teeth. I said, I most certainly do have my wisdom teeth. Well, we're going to fix that. I was like, okay, like, are you up to date on all your shots? And then they're like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Cause they give you like your basic, like, like, like two-year-old shots when you get the basic training, except they give you a shot in your ass called bicillin. And it's like peanut butter. And you see people limping around basic training and you're laughing at them until it happens to you. And then you're sniffling and crying. Like, it's not funny. It fucking sucks. Well, right. I mean, a it shot sucks. of peanut butter does not sound like yeah, a good idea. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I hesitate to ask, can you elaborate how the shot is like peanut butter? Well, it's thick. It's super thick. They give it to you. In I'll like stop a you there. I'll it, stop it, you there. <laughs> they give it to you in like a, a one of those turkey basting needles <laughs> right in your butt. I think you and I go to a different doctor because my doctor's ever pulled out a turkey baster. This is a military doctor. Yeah, this is like this is like this is like a this is a military doc. So they 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 give you a shot in your butt cheek. You walk around the limp for like three days, and it sucks. Now, as someone who had just recently got their wisdom teeth cut out, um, don't do it when you're like thirty seven. That's brutal. That's that's the worst pain I've been in ever. (laughs) So I get there. I in process. I actually get to move my my then wife down to Fort Sill. We get to unpack. I, I unpacked the house while unpacking the house. I have to go run and do all these SRP things. I got to do my will, my last will and testament. I got to update my SGLI, my, my life insurance. I got to I gotta get my wisdom teeth pulled, which is really a screwed up thing because I walked into the front of the office. I remember them giving me gas and going to sleep. And then they state, I swear to God, they did this. I remember sitting in a chair in the back alley by a bunch of trash cans waiting for my wife to pick me up. I'm beginning to think that you didn't see a uh, licensed doctor. (laughs) I I had all my organs. That's all I know. You you saw that Bruce Campbell doctor from Escape from L.A. come walking. (laughs) (laughs) So stitches come next week. Yeah. So they put dissolving stitches in, which they didn't put dissolving stitches. in. I'll get to that in a moment. But as soon as my wife picks me up, and mind you, I'm under anesthetic. I'm covered in blood because the gauze they gave me is is like done. Ugh. Right? I get a phone call. I have to report to a central issue facility to get like my 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 uniforms and my and my combat gear. So I'm standing there in civilian clothes, hyped up on meds, getting issued all this gear. I get to go home two days later. Two days later. I am on a plane to meet up with the rest of the unit, get ready to cross the berm into Iraq. So you went into Iraq still with wisdom teeth with stitches, um, still on, still on pain meds, flying, literally flying high the entire way to Iraq. I'm guessing there was I'm no gonna... follow up appointment. No, there was no follow up appointment because they're be like, we, we, we put dissolving stitches in. We don't need to see you again. When I got my wisdom teeth pulled out, it was right around New Year's, and I remember sitting in a half comatose state trying to play Callisto protocol and just staring at the TV, like drifting (laughs) off into space. And then like, I have to take a break and lay down and you're on an airplane to the middle East. Okay, cool. So I meet up with my unit. (laughs) I meet up with my unit in the middle East, my best friend, Nick Merson, which I don't know if you guys have met him. He lives in Maryland. Um, my, 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 my best friend. I don't, I don't know of a Nick. I don't think so. Yeah. He he he's been down here a few times. But he's like he's like the first time I met him, he handed me a rifle 
and a bunch of ammunition and magazines. And he's like, okay, here's the deal. You're going to be riding in a truck with me. And we're going to shoot anything that shoots at us. And we're going to tell you, it's been sporty out there. Where, where we're driving through, it's going to be sporty. When we come to intersections, you have to dismount out of the vehicle and block the road. Okay. I trained for this. Okay. Still scared to death. Well, guess what? The rifle that he gave me, the magazine wouldn't stay in the rifle. I had a non, I, I had a single shot rifle. Essentially is what I had. Now, I he probably shot. knew that when he gave it. No, to you, right? he did not. He tried oh, to see, fix I it before that we got on like, the road. That's like army style of, ha ha, gotcha. No, <laughs> no. It was we, like we army had, hazing. Yes. I no, did. see, we don't, we don't play games like that when it comes to someone's life outside the wire. Right. It's, it, it, it's a, my life is in your hands. Your life is in my hands. If you screw me over, I can screw you over tit for tat crap. And I can make it any story I want stick because no one's going to gain save me in the desert. So, so on a scale of one to 10, uh-huh. the, the game doom, how accurate is that? I'm going to go well, with zero. fighting demons. So, well, how patriotic yeah. are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, we, we, we get to Taji Airfield. We have to clean out all the dead people out of, out, out of Taji Airfield so we can sleep there. Don't love that. No, well, it wasn't a great time. However, we did have hard buildings that we could stay in. So we didn't sleep in tents too much or underneath vehicles too much. Okay, uh, what so we, a hard building wasn't like the level of difficulty to get to the building. It was. No, the, uh, really so you, 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 have soft, you have soft-sided structures, which is like tents. And then you have hard-sided buildings like houses and things made of cinder blocks and stuff See, like that. Yeah, I thought that. that's just what you call it when you've got 12 guys that have been deployed away from their wives for too long. <laughs> no, those are called <laughs> deployment goggles. I think you're watching different <laughs> movies than I am. Oh, we'll get to the 1 to 10 scale on that here in a minute. Okay. <laughs> so of, of notable things that happened in my first deployment, there was, um, unfortunately, we, uh, we had a few casualties. Um, the... Uh, I won't go into detail, but let's just say we lost, uh, we lost, I want to say it was six that deployment, uh, to due to various reasons. One was an accidental friendly fire. Uh, and, and it was, they were, they were practicing their, uh, cover me while I move, which is you're running for three to five seconds from cover to cover. You're supposed to be shooting. Well, one of the guys that was running tripped and fell when he fell, his butt stock hit the, hit the ground. And he shot his uh, team leader in front of him on accident, and he ended up bleeding out. Lemony Snickets, that was a series of unfortunate events. Uh, we had some funny events, like uh, like power sliding our Humvees, practicing firing to 50 cal while power sliding. I think there needs to be another step to like, your stories. Because like, you were like, we went from like accidental fire, killing somebody, funny, ha-ha, power slide. And it's like, there was no... like like pause for like consuming the moment. And this isn't the time. uh, This isn't the time to have this debate, but why is it called friendly fire? Like I get that it's because (laughs) it happened like, but it's not friendly. You're dead. Like it's not great. Well, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's somebody who's supposed to be on your team. So I understand why they use the semantics, but I don't like it. I understand friendly fire over party pal. I mean, like, I mean, what are you looking for, monster? Are you looking for like um the the uh, technical like, the 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 technical term, the real term that you would see in after action reviews and stuff like that would be 
it was a blue on blue fire. It was a blue on blue situation, meaning it was a good guy and a good guy got in a fight or got got injured due to one way or the other. So I don't care who so, it is. If one of you shoot me, it's not friendly. <laughs> so power I, like, sliding the fifty cows like a BB gun, uh, airsoft. What am I? Sh- okay, go I'm still on. Going to be pissed. <laughs> That's fair. So so we so you have to qualify on weaponry all the time. Make sure you still know how to operate the weapons together. Number and also make sure that the weapons are working without issue. So you you we drive up to a berm and it, it and it's a berm's nothing but piled dirt. And we'd be shooting the the 50 cal heavy vehicle mounted machine gun into the berm, hitting pretend targets. And then we'd be like, let's have some fun with this. So we drive away and then we come back at like 40 miles an hour. And then we hit the brakes and cut the wheel and the gunner would hop up and start firing the 50 cal into the berm. And then you'd speed away. Is it safe? No. Did we do it? Yes. We also did the, uh, the William tell thing with, you know, setting stuff up next to people and then shooting it. We did that. Uh, we used to throw hand grenades into uh, old appliances and watch them blow up. That was always fun. No, uh, yeah, that, that you, sounds fun. I can see yeah, that. that yeah, I can get behind that. I know you did tell me before about how you guys would uh, drop a grenade or, or some other explosive and blow up your uh, washing machines that you'd have yep. to like pedal. Yeah. Yeah. Those sucked. That um, sounds cool. Or, or or when people go in the porta shitter in like 112 degree weather, we take a ratchet strap and ratchet strap the porta shitter shut so they couldn't get out. The person's already suffering enough going into that and that type of heat. It's not fun already, and you guys just made it worse. I well, mean, and 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 then the vent pipe. I would take friendly we would fire take ro- over we would we you. would take rocks and stuff and drop it down the vent pipe into the blue water that they were sitting on, try to make it splash up on them. I don't like you anymore. I just so <laughs> so playing that festival that I just played this past weekend, uh, because I was in the band, we did have like a, a green room with a couple bathrooms, but sometimes they were just a little too far away and you just had to use the porta john. And uh porta johns are funny because you forget how bad they really are <laughs> until you end up in one. And thank God I didn't have to sit down at any point in a porta john because that is, ooh, ooh, that day is, three of a music festival is something I never forget. Look, I, I I tell people that you have never lived a life until you've punched a clown in a porta potty in 110 degrees. Okay? okay, and there are people that have done it. Okay, how I have not told you guys any stories about this festival I just played. How did you know that? <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> I, I know nothing about anything that you are talking about, but um, punching a clown. It's it's a euphemism for knuckle children. Cool. Okay. Got it. I didn't you still monster still looks confused. We're going to let that sink in. I don't. I don't. Please, please keep going. You're on the right track. You're on I the right track. I don't want to be on the right track. Please keep going. Uh, let's see. We were we uh, we actually bent the frame on a Humvee jumping sand dunes. Uh, we, uh, I got, I was buried up to my waist in sand, jumping dirt bikes. Uh, I went right over the handlebars, like torpedoed right in the sand dune. It was super awesome. Uh, my friends had to drag me out by my feet. Uh, good times, good times had by all. Uh, let's see. Uh, we had, uh, we had a bunch of Iraqis. We, we had the uh, ISIS over there to actually on our unit in particular, we had to 
start doing our missions and stuff without our name tabs, without our name tapes on because they started taking out uh, like hits on the individual soldiers. Yeah, that was that was some crazy stuff to have to, to have like the Iraqi government officials come up to us be like your name's on a list, your family's name's on a list. And it's like, oh, this is this is this is good. <laughs> there's there's degrees to storytelling. And I feel like you're just jumping like back and forth at willy nilly. You're like power slide, blow up appliance, kill hit list. I mean, it's just. Well, see, here, here's the thing. in danger. <laughs> well, here's the thing. These are, these are risks that you've learned to accept and internalize. So, I mean, the Army gave me a lot of things. The ability to cope with very traumatic things is one of them, but it also gave me, like, punctuality anxiety, which yeah. is, like, oh, God. You've never been late as long as I've known you. Never. Nope. And when and people, when it's, like... ends up late, there's a whole situation there. <laughs> Do you ever get so, anxiety about somebody else not being on time? No, I don't care about that. But when my wife says, when my wife says, we need to be there around two and it's 150 and she hasn't even put her shoes on yet, I'm sitting there like, let's go. I'm on. I have it's seven never, minutes to get across town. I have never served in the military, nor will I ever, but I am the same way. And I would rather if hey, if it is two o'clock. We're supposed to be somewhere at two o'clock. I would rather be there at one thirty-five than two o one. Yep. I'll, I mean, I'm I'm with you on it. I do not like to be late. I think it was my dad that put that in me. It's <laughs> like that you're not you're not late places, and I just have never left it. And then also at the same time, there's there's this thing that we all have done at some point in our life. It's called a job. It's called a, <laughs> it's called work. You got to be there on time. And I don't, I've never understood people that I've had to like have sit down conversations with them and say, look, I need you to be on time two days this week. Oh, really? You're really talking? Yeah, it's a job. Just get here on time. Just, just set your alarm five minutes earlier. Just get out the door. I work from home. I have no idea what you're talking about. So your commute is five steps. On a scale of one to 10, Wolfenstein 3D. Not even we're close. Okay, fair enough. Continue. So now, now we're gonna get into some fuckery. I've been in the military for a little over like two years or so at at this point, and I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot of the fuckery that goes on from people messing with you about going out to get exhaust samples from a vehicle, which you can't do, or going out and catching rotor wash off a helicopter. No, which you can't do. At right the airport, now, I you tell people to go get a gallon of flight uh, flight line and. That's just the paint that's on the. <laughs> so, you know, after after learning all all, all the fuckery that goes on, you I, I was promoted, right? I, I made I made NCO status fairly quickly. I was I was an E five, and mm-hmm. I learned a lot about the inner workings of how to keep everybody happy without keeping everybody happy. Like a soldier once came up to me and was like, "Hey, Sarge, I got a question for you." All right, hit hit, hit me with it. What you got? Is he the Grinch because that's his name or is it his job or is it just what he is? And I looked at that soldier and I was like, what? Like, 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 like go find something productive to do, or I'm going to find something for you to do. We have a list of that in our house for if they, if the kids say I'm bored, but like, guess what? <laughs> Here's a list yeah. for you to consult. 
So we also learned how to get creative with dealing with the lower enlisted soldiers. Like my job was to make sure the officers had ample time to do their job while the soldiers were busy enough that they didn't cause too much trouble. Some degree of trouble is expected from the lower enlisted soldiers. Why? Because they're young and they're stupid. They do a lot of stupid things. So example, my job in my unit was I was in charge of my section. I was in charge of six people. That's when I that's where I how I first started doing it. I was also the platoon's what's called wall-to-wall counselor. So when a soldier got in trouble, one of three things happens. Either one, the situation is bad enough where he has to get an Article 15, which means he's got to go stand in front of either the battalion commander, battalion sergeant major, or the company commander, company sergeant major. And God forbid, if it's even worse, he has to go up even higher than that and has to go to the brigade sergeant major and the brigade colonel. Nobody wants that. So the common rule of thumbs in my unit was handle everything at the lowest level. If you find out that little Timmy's missing formation, section chief as the lowest ranking individual looks at his, uh, looks at everyone, in his squad. And you're like, square him away. I don't care. Someone has to knock on his door at three o'clock in the morning, get him up to be a formation at six. I don't care. Somebody do it. If that doesn't happen, then it falls on me. And I was a firm believer. What's called wall to wall counseling. Wall-to-wall counseling is two people go into a room, one person walks out. That's the way it happened. And I did that a lot. You have a look Uh, about you. Yeah, I would say elaborate a little bit because it sounds like you murdered people. Yeah. So wall-to-wall counseling, see, paperwork kills you in the military. Paperwork will ruin your your chances of being promoted. uh, It'll ruin your chances of getting an award. It'll ruin your chances of uh, any sort of extras that you could have. So instead of me doing paperwork on you, when it's something that I can correct by beating you senseless for like five minutes, then we handled it that way. Oh, oh, so that, so, okay. Like so that's, so that's where you learned that technique for how you do this podcast. Like what? He beats me. Please. <laughs> Is that a cry for help? I hear. <laughs> no, no, of course not. All I'm saying is there's a reason why we started doing this remote. <laughs> yeah covid um and so, the beatings is that the name of your right or left <laughs> it's a, it's covid yeah um so wall-to-wall counseling was effective to a degree with some people uh other people you had to get creative with their punishments like there was one guy who was constantly late to work and constantly getting me yelled at because he was late to work so what I did is I gave him a chance. I was like, look, dude, what you're going to do is you're going to go over here to the to the battalion head shed with me, the battalion building, and you're going to paint all the rocks white. And then you're going to flip them over, and you're going to paint the other side white. We will have solid white rocks. You will not remove them from the grass. You will not remove them from the dirt. You will just paint them where they are with a paintbrush and a gallon of paint. Not just any paintbrush. One of those rose art paintbrushes. Like the little ones uh, that come in like the watercolor kit? Yes, yes. Uh. So that's what we did is, hey, paint this rock. And then, then the time, like the battalion sergeant major will look out his window and see someone painting rocks with me standing there watching him. Because if you give somebody a punishment, you have to be able to, uh, you know, watch them while they do that punishment. You just can't send them somewhere and expect for them to get it done. It's a punishment. You have to be there. If you gave the punishment, you got to be there. It's the way it works. So he'd peek his head out the window and be like, what the hell is going on? Sorry. And I was like, oh, he just can't be on time. We're painting rocks. All right. All right. Keep up the good work. And he closed his window and go about his day. Right. That's just it's just the way it works. And then there's some instances where no matter what you do, the soldier is completely unsalvageable. You can't do anything. 
So we had a guy named Ray. That was his last name, Ray. I love he how was we not used a, like the first letter in the beginning, and we're just kidding. Well, because the, 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 let me the, tell the, you about the, this son of a one bitch. was a one was a minor, one was a minor. This guy's a grown ass adult. Like he worked underground. Like, no, like okay. age wise. God bless America. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> so Ray was a complete and total fuck up. Honest to God, he was. I don't know how his recruiter got him in the military. I don't know how he made it through basic training in AIT, but my God, Ray was a fuck up. So what we had to do is we had to chapter Ray out of the army. And when you chapter somebody out of the army, that's that's like the equivalent of um, we don't want to invest any more time, effort or money into you. You're not worth taking the money that we're going to pay you. As a matter of fact, you're going to owe us for everything that we've given you because you didn't successfully complete your term of service. It's not a dishonorable discharge. It is a straight chapter. It can be classified as a dishonorable discharge. And if they choose to fight it later, it could get changed. But nine times out of 10, it will not get changed. So whatever Ray did, I was not privy to, but I was good put in charge of chaptering Ray out of the army. I knew the people that could get the job done quickly. A two week process took me three days. I started making phone calls. I did not want to deal with Ray. I think Ray, like, did stuff with minors that he wasn't supposed to do and not the people that live underground. Um, so when I chaptered Ray out of the army, we're driving him off post because we have to take him outside the gates. We have to take his military ID card. Everything he could use to get back on base, we had to take from him. So I'm driving him outside. The, the uh, I'm heading towards the outside of the base and he's just going on and on and on about how he thought we were joking. He's like, oh, funny joke, Sergeant. I mean, okay, let's turn around now. Let's see me get back to the unit. And I'm like, no, dude. You're done. Like, done. So I call my boss and I'm like, Ray thinks I'm joking that he's like, so he's, and my, and my boss tells me on the phone, he's like, hey, 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 just turn around, start heading back to unit, take him out the East Gate. I'm like, oh, you're an asshole. Okay. So I turn around, I'm like, yeah, psych, we're going right back to the unit because our unit's right next to East Gate. So we like drive past unit and I honk my horn and I waved everyone out there doing, doing PT and stuff. And they all wave at me and Ray's all like got this look of happiness, like a dog's being brought home from the pound. And he's like super excited. And then we keep driving past. Like I just robbed all the orphans of their like their ride to their new family. I take them right outside of Eastgate. It is an 11 mile walk to the nearest house outside of Eastgate. And I drop him off outside of Eastgate and I pull right back into base. Never see Ray again. Come, come to find out. Ray joined up with one of those churches. I'm air quoting churches here. Um, that uh, you have to give three quarters of your paycheck to. You're not allowed to have electronics. You're not allowed to uh, be outside your room at X amount of time at night. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. Like while you're in the building, you're just like confined to your room. So That's basically where- he joined a church that was a lot like the United States military. Uh, kinda, except, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like super weird. Like we saw him out in public once and he had like a fully shaved head and was wearing like really plain clothes and so wasn't he joined talking like and... the, the Hari Scientologist. <laughs> he, he, he joined something. Had this really weird four angled thing on this shirt. And like... <laughs> uh, okay. So on a scale of one to 10. Okay. 
how much, just from the story you told me, how much is the army like the movie Homeward Bound? The Incredible Journey? Uh, is there any other? I don't know. You tell me. I mean, you there's no the Homeward cat? Bound, the adequate journey. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like what they did to, to, to Shadow and Chance in Homeward Bound. You no. drove him to the, the middle of nowhere name? and dropped him off. I don't remember the cat's name. Yeah, nobody remembers the cat's name. Uh, it's a cat who yeah, gives you shit. You just, Fair. hey, I have four. I give a slight shit. Look, that's uh, your fault, not ours. <laughs> technically my wife's. Doesn't matter. But that sounds like what you did to this young man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, we could have sent him to the RCF. And then he joined the cult. So if you do something really, really, really bad, like one of my former soldiers, um, one of his soldiers decided he was going to, uh, she was very upset that uh, her boyfriend was still married to his wife and had a kid. So she went off base and murdered yeah, him and his wife. Oh, murdered, murdered him and his wife, put them in a bathtub, poured muriatic acid on him, stole her baby, took him back to the barracks. <laughs> Great gal, great gal, right? Like, like whoop, whoop, prize winner right there. And you wonder why he didn't leave his wife for her. That got dark quick. It, it's a true story, though. I have a whole other set of movies I need to ask <laughs> about now. Does it push the, put the lotion on the skin? That's all <laughs> no. So, I mean, there is like all sorts of stuff that goes on in the United States Army that a lot of people don't really understand. So let's just say that I've sent people to the to the regional correctional facility which is a polite way of saying prison. But the base we were on didn't have their own prison. We had to go to the Navy rig, right? And drop these people off and then pick them up and take them to their court appearances, which is super stupid. Yep. Sounds like it. It, it, it really is. But these people honestly get in trouble for some of these stupidest things. Like the army has a zero tolerance on drugs. No drugs. It ain't that fucking hard. Don't drink and drive. Don't stick your dick in another person's wife and don't do drugs. And you honestly, army's your, uh, army's your go-to. If you can follow those three things alpha, at a minimum, yeah, you're at least going to make E4. I mean, I put my dick in drugs all the time, so I'm just not going to Oh, for it. three. <laughs> so Me and Danger I, would not cut it. Nope. <laughs> so I, w I was actually, after, after I think it was my third year in the military, I was actually asked to uh, speak. At, at my at, at at my old high school for one of my uh, old ROTC teachers. To they talk always to class. wanted me to stop talking when I was there. They just I got in trouble for it. But go on. So when I was talking to them, they're like, "How hard is the military?" I was like, "Well, for me in the army, I'm going to give you a basic day in the army." Okay. It goes a little something like this. It differs base to base. But we're going to say Fort Sill, Oklahoma, where I was stationed at at the time. PT started at six, so you had to be at the PT field at five o'clock because. Your NCO needed to get accountability of you so he could report it to his NCO by 5.30. And then that NCO had to report it to the first sergeant by 5.45. And then that first sergeant had to report to the company commander at 06 when PT started. Is, is this the paperwork you were talking about? That just No, this is just physical accountability. Yeah. This, this it, is just causing like a lot of paperwork and filling out. And no, no, there isn't. So check-ins for the morning PT is, is, is really simple. Right, you get to where you're supposed to be. You find your squad leader. And you're like, "Hey, squad leader, I'm alive." Squad leader goes, "Cool," and he verbally tells the next person in the chain of command, "Hey, all my soldiers are present and accounted for. We're good to go." They would report to the next person, "All my soldiers are accountable, are, are, are present and accounted for. Let's go." And then it would be reported to the company commander. Last company commander, would be like, "Okay, cool. Let's do PT." Or if somebody was AWOL, 
we'd just be like, so-and-so AWOL or so-and-so. We'd always had an excuse. Somebody's in the bathroom. Somebody had a flat tire. Somebody had this. Somebody had that. That way, you know, you were accounted for. We knew where you were. And then you would do PT from six to seven. And that depends. Sometimes you ran. Sometimes you did push-up sit-ups. Sometimes you did poker PT, pool PT. Sometimes you did a little bit of everything. Sometimes you went on a three-mile walk at a run speed, which was kind of hurtful, but you did that. And then from eight to nine, or seven, roughly seven to nine, you got to go home, take a shower, or go to the barracks, take a shower, feed yourselves, report to work call formation at nine o'clock in the morning, which means you had to be there by 8.30 so they could report up that you were present by 8.45 so you could have formation at nine o'clock. And then you'd work until 11.30. And then you'd go on lunch from 11.30 to one. No wonder you're punctual. If you were, if you were lucky, you got to go to work from 11.30 to one, and then you had work call formation or just work call at, at, at 1300 at one o'clock, we just showed back up and continued doing the work you were supposed to be doing. And then at around 1600 or four o'clock, you start shutting stuff down, getting stuff put away. So you could have formation at 545. So you could be released at six uh, at, at five o'clock at night. If you were lucky, sometimes you didn't get released till six or seven o'clock at night. And then if you had battalion staff duty, which was a 24 hour shift, if you were lucky, it was a 24-hour shift. You do 24 hours consecutive in a day. So you do PT in the morning, come back, relieve the staff duty officer at 9 o'clock, and then you would, stay, you would stay awake because you're not allowed to sleep all day, all night, to 9 o'clock the next morning. And then for some, someone said somewhere that 24 hours worth of sleep, you are not deprived enough that you are more than, more than able to drive your ass home. You're not tired at all. Yeah, because I'm fueled from freaking Red Bull and hate at this point. So I do have a question within all of that. Sure. Was there ever anybody not accounted for because they Absolutely. were really, really well camouflaged? No, not because they were well camouflaged. So we had different events, some sanctioned, non, some non-sanctioned. I'll make this quick so we can button up. It's almost an hour. So some of the sanctioned events that we had were division runs. Division runs as your entire post gets together. Every unit, everybody who can run gets together. You have a big formation and you start running. And it's led by the post commander, followed by all of the subordinate units. And I don't know how the hierarchy was achieved, but whatever your run position was, you would start running. It was, the, it was like a giant accordion. We called it the accordion run because literally you expand and then all of a sudden you slow down. You always run into people. Then you're basically walking in place. And then all of a sudden, everyone would take off sprinting. So you have to take off sprinting, too, to keep everyone counted because you got to stay in formation, right? Those were some of the sanctioned events. Now, some of the unsanctioned events were guide-on wars. These were my, fav these were my favorite. A guide-on is a flag that sits out in front of a unit, and usually it has, like, the unit, um, what company it is, and what battalion it belongs to. During guide-on wars, you literally had to post a guard on your guide-on because we would go around and steal guidons. Everyone would do it. The person with the most guidons that they had at the end of guidon wars got a four-day pass. And how you ended guidon wars, how it ended is you had to have enough guidons and enough balls to go to the post commander's house on post and drive them into his front yard and get away without being caught. Sounds, I mean, like that last part sounds like 
pranks I pulled in high school. So here's the thing about guide odds. Stupid shit and run away. Guide odds is what's called a, a, a non-expendable item, which means a unit commander has to sign for them. Guide odds are not cheap. They're about $300 a piece. Okay? They, have, they are financially responsible for them. And you can't be like, you don't have my guide on because when it's sitting in the freaking post commander's front lawn, he knows he has your guide on. And that's not something you want to go see the post commander and get your guide on back about. Okay, I'll be honest with you. You have said guide on so much in this, it's starting to sound really weird. Like, it just, it's, guide on has been, I'm hearing guide on and, I, yeah, it's just, I'm hearing all sorts guide of Guide on. Yeah, no, no, I get the word. I'm just saying, like, it's been said a lot. So, I mean, that sounds fun. <laughs> okay, so on a scale of one to ten, how accurate is Saving Private Ryan? Which parts of Saving Private Ryan? I'll be honest, I've never seen that. Let's say oh, so the parts. So, so, so the, the parts beach. where you have a. Okay, so the parts where you have a. Down the Earth movie, Company. The it's it it's is a hard watch. So the parts, part. the parts where you have a a a unit that truly cares for each other exist. We don't. We didn't care about race, color, creed, religion, gender stuff. Like I served with gay people before it was cool to be gay in the military. Right when don't ask, don't tell was still a thing. I busted one of my soldiers in downtown Seattle and drag. And all I said is, you better be in the right fucking uniform on Monday morning, or we're gonna have problems. And and it was that's all I it said. Was crazy that he didn't recognize you in your sequence gown. <laughs> um, I've seen Sarge in a sequence gown. It's beautiful. He does have legs. I I, I, I have the, the legs up. to carry. Revolutionary. Yeah. His legs go all the way up. Where's <laughs> all the way? I don't know, but they stop somewhere. <laughs> having having soldiers in our unit that were gay, and you have to shower next to people. Open bay showers, right? You don't care because it's business and they know they do what they do on their time as long as they keep it away from the unit. Right. So, you know, I, I tell people when, 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 when I hear people bitching about equality and free education and guaranteed pay and all this stuff like that, I don't go, go join the army. You get free medical, you get free college, you get free food, you get free room and board, you get paid the same as everybody else, but you're going to work your ass off for it. And it's not going to be fun. Not one bit. So go ahead. If, if that's what all you want, go join the military, which I feel bad for the people in the military now because I'm going to tell you the people joining the military are fat, lazy, and stupid. And that's the issue they're having with recruitment right now. Now, I understand there are kids in this world right now that are strapping Glocks to drones with automatic firing mechanisms. You don't have to do 100 push-ups anymore. I get it. It is the age of technology, but you got to be able to like physically do the manual labor to do your job. And they, these, these, these kids, they can't do it. And this has been ours for recruitment with Sarge. No anti-recruitment. So I would be remiss. Honestly, I, I would be, I would be, remiss. if I didn't take the time to talk about podbean.com slash danger Sarge. Because you all want a free month of podcasting. We all want a free month of podcasting. You you get a free month. We get a free month. Read the terms and conditions, as Danger will tell you. They're super important. I just figured I'd throw that in there. You also want to read the terms and conditions for when you go into the U.S. Army. But those terms and conditions for Podbean do not apply to the Army. But uh, they do apply 
to everybody. You are not exempt, whether you are been in the army or you're wearing a West Virginia truck stop hat like monster. Just, just so we're clear, they were two for 20. So I got one more bad boy. That's just as pretty as this. Did you get two of the same? No. Okay. Just Good wondering. Lord. I had to get a blue one and a black one to match all my outfits. Okay. All right. So what is the difference between a PFC, a private first class, and a second lieutenant? I don't know. I wasn't paying that. The private's been promoted twice. Oh, I got you. It just, he got it. Okay. What do you call (laughs) a group of kids who enlist in the military? What's that? The infant tree. Yep. Oh. So I did have a friend that joined the, uh, the army, and he did get promoted up to captain and so forth. And after captain, it was a major day for him. Mm, Nicely done. What do you call all the rosters for E4s? A special list. Mm. E4s are called specialists. Okay. Oh, too late now. I have to explain. Here you go. What is a soldier's least favorite month? March. March. <laughs> what is the first well, thing that nope. yeah i got one i, I got it. Yeah, yeah. what is the first thing that a pig learns when he joins the army ham to ham combat ham to ham combat like and it. what what like what happens it. after he goes through you know mustard gas pepper spray he's a well-seasoned officer i god mm. i knew i knew where that was going not all who wander in this world are lost, except for lieutenants. They're always fucking lost. Well, what's the difference between a special forces member of the Navy and an otter? One is a seal and the other is an otter. I'm out of military jokes, but I do have one that one of the kids told me. Oh, yeah. What do you call a nosy pepper? Jalapeno business. End it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to die. Thanks for tuning in to the Is For Podcast. Check us out on all of our social medias. If you would like to do a part two of Tales from the United States Army, let me know. Uh, we I, trust me, I still have many more years left to go, and all the all the crap on that I have. Scale seen. of one to ten, how ready are you to end this episode? Well, I'm absolutely well, ready. almost like any movie. There's a part where it ends. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yes. So, yes, check us out on all of the social media platforms, Danger and Charge across all of them. If you have a, a suggestion for a topic that you'd like to hear or you'd like to hear us expand on a topic, dangerandsarge at gmail.com. Or if you want to tell us to shut up and quit talking and stop doing this, at least you listened. You know, so we you got to the end and you found out that our email address is dangerandsarge at gmail.com. That's a fair opinion. Yep. Hit us up. Yep. All right. Later, everyone. All right, bye. Later. Long farewell, I'll meet us when I get It's over. Done. Done.